The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. You can open your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to move through this entire chapter. I'm going to jump around a little bit, so just open it and leave it open on your lap. And then we're going to talk to you about the fact that it's a setup. Now, you'll remember in the previous 13 chapters of the book of Exodus, God has been bringing his people out of slavery and bringing them to freedom to return them to the promised land. The land they had left over 400 years previous, they came and settled in Egypt, living in Goshen. Thing was good until the Pharaoh changed, and then they became slaves, and things got bad. And as a result of that oppression and that slavery, they began to call out to God, and God rose Moses up to deliver them and to lead them out of Egypt back to the promised land. What I want you to notice and what I find interesting in Exodus chapter 14 is this. They had already left Egypt. They had walked out. Now, note, you read it in the scripture. They walked out with the Egyptians' gold. They walked out with their silver. They walked out with their precious cloths. They walked out with everything they needed for the future. They walked out with all of that. They walked out no longer slaves, but freed by the hand and the provision of God. However, they were not living in that freedom. They may have changed their location, but they hadn't changed their mindset. Now, somebody needs to hear this this morning because many of us in the kingdom change our location. We become sons of the king, but we never allow him to change our mindset. We're still burdened down with stinking thinking. We still think and act like we are slaves to sin when, in fact, we've been set free. It's interesting for me to note that many times people come and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and after a few months, they fall away. Why? Because they may have changed their identity in Christ, but they never changed the way they think. They never changed their attitude, their mindset. So when we look at chapter 14, God is dealing with their mindset. He's helping them to understand that not only have I set you free, but I have completely and totally liberated you in the way you live, where you live, and the way you think. We need to understand that. So it tells us that transition, which they were definitely in a transition, they were moving from being slaves to being a freed people. They were moving from living in the land of Egypt to going back to the promised land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were in transition. And transitions prepare us for expansion. You see, the Israelites would have never expanded and came, overcame Egypt. No, they couldn't do that. Even though we read in the first few chapters they were mightier than the Egyptians, they would never have came against them. The only way they could expand and grow and become what God asked them to be was by moving back to the promised land. So now they're in transition. They've left Egypt. They're following Moses. God's given him directions day by day, and they come to the Red Sea. And that's where we find our story today. And we understand that even though they were in transition, even though they had left Egypt, they still weren't free or liberated. You see, many times we're like the Israelites. We see the battle behind us. We see the ten plagues. We see that now we're free. We're no longer slaves. And we think it's all well and good. It's going to be an easy ride all the way into the kingdom. Can I tell you that if you desire to live for Jesus Christ, you're going to face some obstacles. You're going to fight some battles because it isn't just a battle we have to win. It's a war that must be won. And if you think because one time you won, that's it, it's over and done, you're wrong. You better get up every morning, put on your big boy pants and prepare to battle. 
Prepare to fight because there will be an enemy coming against you. Israelites didn't realize that. You see, you need to remember, it's really not how fast you run. It's not how high you climb, but it's how well you bounce that matters in the kingdom of God. Because every now and then, you're going to get knocked down and you've got to get yourself back up. Amen? You've got to recognize it's constant and continuous. Exodus chapter 14, verse 8, the Bible says these words, God made Pharaoh, king of Egypt, stubborn, determined to chase the Israelites as they walked out on him, Without even looking back. Now I want you to look at the last phrase there. He was determined to chase the Israelites as they walked out. And now look at that last phrase. They walked out without even looking back. In their location, they put Egypt behind them, but they hadn't changed it in their mind. They didn't realize the battle really wasn't over because Pharaoh was going to come at them one more time. So they walked out. They were non-observant. They weren't paying attention to their surroundings. Listen to me. If you have any spiritual insight at all, you must know and recognize that today we're in a fight. We are, in fact, living in the last days. Timothy call, or Paul calls it perilous times, difficult times, troubling times. That's where we live. But we know that when we're observant and when we're aware, we will not be taken by surprise by the enemy trying to sneak up on the blind side. The Israelites walked out never even looking back. They thought it's over, it's done, there's nothing else to worry about. God has done his thing and they forgot there's still an enemy. You see, the application from Exodus to New Testament church life is this. It's a foreshadow. It's a type. It's a picture of what God did through Jesus Christ. You can see Egypt signifying that place of slavery, that place of bondage where sin has us bound. You can see the Pharaoh as the enemy of your soul, the adversary. And you can see Moses as a foretype, a shadow of the deliverer whose name is Jesus Christ, who triumphs once and for all. We see it very clearly throughout the book of Exodus. So we know and understand we have to be observant. We have to be aware. We have to know the day and the time in which we live so that God can do something in us and through us and make us conquerors over the enemies that face us. Kind of reminds me of the little boy's prayer. He said, Dear God, bless my mommy, bless my daddy, bless my sister. And God, please take care of yourself because if something happens to you, we're all in trouble. <laughs> something happens to you, God, we're all in trouble. But I've come to tell you this morning, even if you aren't alert or aware, God is still on the job. I serve a God who never slumbers and never sleeps. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't take a day off. I serve a God who is never amazed. He's never taken off guard. He's never surprised. So when the enemy is trying to sneak up behind you, know God is aware and God is alert. And know that God has already defeated every enemy. You say, how do I know that? Because the Word says He did. First John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For this purpose was the Son of Man manifested, that he might destroy the works of the enemy. He's already done it, folks. Where is the devil? He's under our feet. Victory is ours. We just have to be aware. We have to fight and contend for what God wants to do in our lives. He destroys every enemy. So let me ask you this. The Israelites found themselves at the Red Sea. And they suddenly turned around and looked behind them, and they saw the Egyptians. Very interesting passage of Scripture. They saw the Egyptians, and they begin to fear. 
They began to shake and quake. They didn't know what to do because here comes Pharaoh and his elite army pursuing them to take them back into captivity to make them slaves again. They saw the enemy. See, many times in the kingdom, we are born again through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we are still allowing things to overcome us. There is still something chasing us. Let me, let me say it this way. What Egyptians are chasing you today? What tools of the enemy are chasing you today? Do you realize that one out of every three people who sit on a, in a church pew or in a seat like these has in one way or another been abused at some point in their life? Abuse is something that chases you until you're able to give it to God and he delivers you and sets you free from that memory and from that incident. What's chasing you? Are addictions chasing you? Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's pornography. What's chasing you that you've never been able to get away from? Maybe it's a bad relationship. I've got a friend that every time he introduced himself, he'd say, Hey, my name is Bob. I've been divorced. I finally said, What is your problem? Why do you do that? You're letting that enemy chase you. Stop it. My name is Bob. I'm a son of the Most High God. Try that one on for size. My name is Bob. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Try that one on for size. Come on, folks. We need to realize we sometimes speak it and that enemy closes in. We've got to understand the power of life and death that's in the tongue. The Israelites didn't understand that. They saw the Egyptians chasing them. They feared and they began to think they were going to be overcome. What, what Egyptian is chasing you? Maybe it's financial pressure. Maybe your entire life. You've lived on the edge of bankruptcy. It's time to recognize that in the kingdom of God, we serve a God with whom there is no lack and there is no want. We serve a God who supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory. We serve a God who desires to pour out the blessing of generosity upon your life. We serve a God who's already declared, what do you need? You need food, clothing, and shelter? Check it off, it's done. All you have to do is put me first, and it's going to happen. Come on, folks, you need to recognize that enemy doesn't have to pursue you. You don't have to live on the brink of financial ruin, but you can step into the place where God supplies, and it's more than enough. Maybe you're on the brink of that enemy of job loss. You go from one job to another, to another, to another. Or it's time to let God step in and bring some consistency, some faithfulness to your life. It's time to let him put you in the place where you can be a benefit and a blessing to that employer, to that company. Oh, come on, I'm telling you, when you're working for somebody else, be the best employee they've ever had. Be the first there and the last to leave. Be the one who does the extra mile every single time. Don't be the one who does just enough to get by. Come on, that's not where the kingdom of God is at, and that's not where the children of God live. And if you want to escape that job pressure, then let yourself be the employee they can't afford to lose. Hey amen, that's pretty good stuff whether you know it or not. I don't care if you say amen, you could say oh me, maybe it fits you that way. What enemy is chasing you? What Egyptian is chasing you? See, and you need to realize every time the enemy begins to pursue you, he does so with a false sense of superiority. We're better than they are. We got this thing whipped. They aren't going to stand against us. That's what the enemy thinks. Read it in Exodus 14, verse 3. From the message, it says, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost. They're confused. The wilderness has closed in on them. The enemy thinks you don't know day from night. 
He thinks you don't know right from left. He thinks you're dumber than a stump. Well, I've got news for you. If the blood of Jesus Christ flows through your veins, you are now seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And you need to understand, you're looking down on the enemy, not up at the enemy. And he's the one who's actually confused. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You need to remember that just because we've been born again through the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean we aren't going to fight battles. But the good news is, the greater the battle the greater the victory. Come on. The greater the victory. We need to understand when it's tough, the party's going to be great when it's all over. When it's hard, we're going to shout that much louder. We're going to sing and we're going to dance because the victory is ours. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. I can almost see the Israelites there by the Red Sea thinking, oh my goodness, here we go again. Here we go again. One more time, Egypt is going to come and get us and take us back and enslave us. We are not free at all. Here we go again. But the good news is, is when it looks the worst, you need to remember in the kingdom, help is on the way. Help. You ever watch those old westerns? I used to love those. Still do. I shouldn't say used to. Love those old westerns. And I would love it when the Indians, and by the way, I'm an Indian, so don't be offended, all right? When the Indians had the settlers surrounded, and then all of a sudden you would hear the bugle, and here came the cavalry. I'm here to tell you, when the battle is the fiercest, you better be looking for the sound of the trumpet, because here comes the cavalry. Here comes the cavalry. You are not alone. God is on your side, and he's fighting for you. Boy, if I could sing, I'd sing it right now. In the name of Jesus, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. Can you say amen? You're sitting way over there. You ought to be up here singing that for me. You know that? Amen. Limitations. When the battle is the most fierce, God is the strongest. The greater the victory. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, they looked up and saw them. Egyptians. Thought we'd left these guys. Thought we walked away from them. Thought they had learned their lesson. Hear me. The enemy never learns his lesson. He's dumber than a stump, and he just keeps on coming. But it's time to know, greater is he. Come on, greater is he. Look at it. It says, Egyptians coming at them. They were totally afraid, and they cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, and I love this, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt? Didn't we have enough graveyards there? You brought us out here in the wilderness to die. What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? You want to remember what I started with? They had been liberated. They had been freed. They were no longer slaves, but their mindset never changed. It's right there. What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? Are you kidding me? You were slaves there for generations. Are you kidding me? You moaned and groaned and complained because things were so rough, and now you're complaining again? Sometimes, okay, be ready. Sometimes we need to change the DNA in us that all we see is the negative and all we do is moan, groan, and complain. Come on. They forgot they were no longer slaves. All they could see is here come the Egyptians again. They had forgot the ten plagues through the miraculous hand of God that actually liberated them and freed them. All they could see is here come the Egyptians again. It's time for some of you to stop looking out, begin looking up, and declare, my God is well able in this time and circumstance. Come on, quit your moaning, groaning, and complaining. 
and begin praising. Begin saying, open up the heavens. I want to see you. Oh, come on. When the enemy comes against you, turn your eyes upon Jesus, the one full of grace and truth and mercy. Begin to declare, my God is more than able. Forget the fact the Egyptians are coming and praise the Lord who has already overcome. They went on to say, back in Egypt, I love this. Didn't we tell you this was going to happen? I hate I told you so. Especially when it comes from negative whining Nelly. Come on. I told you this was going to happen. I told you you shouldn't have done that. I told you you should have left well enough alone. I told you we never did it that way before. Get over it. Come on, get over it. Didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you back in Egypt this is going to happen? Why didn't you just leave us alone? Would have been better off back there. Oh, come on, how stupid is that? How ridiculous is that? God, I want to serve you, but I don't want any tough times. I don't want any problems. I don't want any trials. I don't want any difficulties. How ridiculous is that? Jesus said, don't be surprised if the world hates you. They hated me before they hated you. Don't let it shock you. Don't be surprised if you have some difficult times. I had some difficult times, he said. But greater is he who is in you than what? He who is in the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. First John 4, 8, look it up and read it. We need to understand, they said, why don't you just leave us here in Egypt? We were better off as slaves than corpses in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I completely disagree with that. I'd rather be a corpse in the wilderness than a slave in Egypt. I'd rather be in the presence of the living God than bound by sin and bound by the things of this life. Oh, come on. You need to understand, church. We should stop fighting against death and recognize it's the ultimate promotion of the presence of God. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and kill yourself. Don't misunderstand. It's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that in this current state, that's the vehicle God uses to bring us to him completely and totally once and for all. We're better off to be slaves than corpses in the wilderness. I read that scripture and I recognize Psalm 146 verse 5 says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord. So when you're facing an obstacle, you need to remember, I've got a great big God who's already declared, no matter what I encounter, my help is in the Lord. My hope is in him. I'm going to make it. You need to remember Isaiah 54, 17, where the Bible says, And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's God's word for you today. So we find the Israelites at the edge of the Red Sea. The Egyptians are behind them. The water's in front of them. They don't know what to do. Take us back to Egypt. We'd rather be slaves. And then we see God saying this to them in Exodus 14, 15, and 16. Or 14, yeah, 15 and 16. God said to Moses, why cry out to me? Speak to the Israelites. Order them to get moving. Now, if you get nothing else out of this message this morning, you need to get this, remember it, write it down, write it on your mind, memorize it. Don't let it escape you. Write it on your hand. If you don't have paper, write it on your neighbor's forehead. Whatever you need to do, just don't forget it. Don't forget it. You need to understand and remember when you feel trapped, when the Egyptians are behind you, 
and the sea is in front of you, when you feel trapped, the word of God says, move forward, move forward, move forward. The victory isn't behind you. The victory is always in front of you. Move forward. What did God say to Moses? He said, tell him, get moving. From the King James, it says, go forward. How are we supposed to go forward? There's a sea in front of us. Or you're going to step into the miraculous hand of God if you move forward. If you stop your whining and complaining, your belly aching, if you stop thinking about how good things used to be and move forward, you're going to see something you've never saw before. You're going to experience something that you only thought was a pipe dream. You're going to walk into a place where the presence of God overwhelms you, overcomes you, provides for you, and you see his miraculous hand one more time again. Move forward. Move forward. When you feel trapped, move forward. But so often when we feel trapped, what do we do? We cover our heads. We find ourselves a hole to crawl into. We try to retreat. No, move forward. When you're trapped, move forward. The victory is always ahead of you. He said in verse 16 to Moses, Hold high your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, split the sea, and the Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. Not going to happen until you move forward. Not going to happen until you take your stand at the end of the sea and you lift the word of God before you and say, by his might, by his power, we are going through. Oh, I've got news for you, church. It's by the might, by the power of the spirit of God. We are going through to victory. We're not backing up. We're moving forward. Oh, come on. Somebody get with it. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. God has called us to take a city. We're moving forward. God has called us to be a light and salt. We're moving forward. God has called us to take the message to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We're moving forward. And when we choose to move forward, that obstacle in front of us opens. And we walk through on dry ground, just as the Israelites of old. You say, well, I'm not sure that's really a good illustration. Are there any other examples of that in Scripture? I'm so glad you asked. I love these interactive sermons, don't you? just really blesses me when you ask me questions. You can turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Read the story of Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. A huge army was coming against him, led by Sennacherib. He heard about it, and he said to God, Lord, we have no might against this great company. We can't do this. We can't do this. And he called all Israel, and they began to fast. And then a prophet stood among them, and this is what he said. Excuse me, he told them to go forward. Then read it in chapter verses 20 and 21. They rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and they, as they went out. Would you hear that? Went out. Went out went out. They didn't stay in Jerusalem. They didn't stay behind the walls. God said, move out. God said, move forward. God said, you're not going to have to fight, but you got to move out. Oh, that's a truth we need to hear today. We don't have to fight. The battle's already won, but you got to get your marching orders and you got to move out. You got to move forward. You can't stay where you're at. Oh, come on, church. Too long. The church has been content inside these four walls. It's time to step out. It's time to move out. It's time to take the territory he's already assigned to us. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. 
And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. Oh, I love that scripture because it tells me anytime there's a fight on the horizon, I'm going to call for the musicians. I'm going to call for the singers. And I'm going to sing, bring me a word through worship. Bring me a word through praise. Bring me some encouragement. Come on, begin to lift it up. Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. When we begin to praise him, he comes down. When we begin to praise him, he fights for us. When we begin to praise him, mighty and miraculous things begin to happen happen in our hearts and in our lives. Oh, come on. He said, call the singers. Sing to the Lord. Praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out, as they went out, read a few verses down. It's not on the screen. It says, and the Lord set ambushments against them and they destroyed themselves. They imploded. They killed one another. Listen, I don't care how he does it. He can do it any way he wants to do it. I just want to know when I lift my voice to praise him that something's going to happen, that God is going to show up, that God is going to take control, that victory is mine. When I stop moaning and groaning and complaining and lift up a praise to the most high God. Move forward. They went out. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? There's power when we choose to move forward, when we choose to lift up the name of Jesus. So many times, though, when we feel trapped, we retreat. We draw everything in. We bring all of our chicks under our wings. We've got to just hunker down and hold on. I come to tell you this morning, when you're down to nothing, you need to remember God is up to something. And there is no better place to be than in that place where you are totally and completely dependent upon the hand of God because God will never fail. He will never disappoint me. It never disappoint you. He will never sell you short. So when I look at Exodus 14, it reminds me, this whole thing, it's a setup. It's a setup. It really is. Do you remember what God said in the first of Exodus? He said, I'm going to prove my power to the Pharaoh. We've went through 13 chapters, and the dude is still there. He's still the burr under the saddle. You don't know what that means, do you? I'm sorry. That's an Oklahoma colloquialism. When you're riding a horse and there is a cockleburr under the saddle, that thing's going to butt, buck and pitch and try to throw you off because you're causing him pain. Sometimes things get under the saddle. That's what Pharaoh was. He was a burr under the saddle. Making their life difficult. Well, I've come to tell you, when you're in that place, it's time to recognize when I'm down to nothing, God is up to something. It's a setup. And he's positioning me for victory. He's positioning me for victory. God said, I'm going to put my glory on display. This is the last time you're going to see those Egyptians. This is the last time Pharaoh is going to be in your face. I've come to tell somebody today, this is the last time. It's time to come. It's time to say, God, I'm tired of the enemy. I'm tired of Pharaoh. I'm tired of the problem. I'm tired of those things chasing me. Today is the day of victory. This is the last time. No more. Never again will you see the Egyptians, is what God said to the Israelites. Never again. Well, how is that going to happen? Because God's fighting for you. 
Oh, look at verses 19 and 20. It goes on to say, the angel of God that had been leading the camp of Israel now shifted and got behind them. And the pillar of cloud that had been in front also shifted to the rear. The cloud that was now between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. The cloud enshrouded one camp in darkness and flooded the other with light. And the two camps didn't come near each other all night. Oh, listen to me. When you decide enough's enough, when you decide today is the day the Pharaoh is going to die, the Egyptians will be gone, the enemy will no longer have that tool to use against me, when you say I'm done with that, when you stand up, the presence of God is going to shift between you and that enemy, between you and that frequent attack, between you and that frequent sin, and he will break it once and for all. If you'll choose to let him do it. He shifted his presence to protect his people. He got between you and the enemy. Between you and the enemy. Do you know who one of the highest paid players in the NFL is the position? Anybody know? It's a left guard. Do you know why it's the left guard? Because the left guard protects the quarterback on his blind side. When he's turning and looking downfield to pass, he can't see behind him. It's that dude's responsibility to make sure the opposing team doesn't get to the quarterback. I've come to tell you, you've got somebody on your left guard. You've got somebody watching you. You've got somebody who's there to protect you and make sure the enemy, with all of his plans, are defeated and you overcome in Jesus' name. He shifts his presence to bring victory to you and I. Oh, listen to it. I'm wrapping this up. The enemy had an army. The Egyptians brought their finest. Everything they had, they brought to throw against the Israelites. The enemy had an army, but say it with me. We've got God. We've got God. We've got God. We've got God. Oh, get it in your spirit. There may be an army out there, but God is on my side. I've got God. Oh, I can almost hear it. I can almost hear it. Pharaoh, you've got chariots, but I've got God. Pharaoh, you've got swordsmen, but I've got God. Pharaoh, you have archers, but I've got God. You have artillery, but I have God. You may say to the enemy, you may have sickness, but I've got God. You may have disease, but I've got God. You may have financial ruin, but I've got God. You may have abusive relationships, but I've got God. You may have fear, but I've got God. You may have doubt and mistrust, but I've got God. Oh, come on. I've got God. I've got God. That's what the Israelites were experiencing. Pharaoh was coming against them, but one mightier than he, one mightier than he, had already showed up and shifted his presence. You see, in the middle of the battle, this is what I like, and this is it. You can read it. It says that the Egyptians received a revelation. I love it when the enemy gets a revelation. I love it. People always tell me, i got a revelation. I've got the Word, and I'm thankful for every revelation the Holy Spirit brings to me. But listen, I love it when the enemy gets a revelation. What was their revelation? The revelation was, God is fighting for the Israelites. They got a revelation. We're on the wrong side. God is fighting for them. And it says they turned 
and to begin to run because all of a sudden they weren't so big and they weren't so mighty when they came up against God. Oh, you may have chariots, but I've got God. You may have swordsmen, but I've got God. You may have fear and disease and doubt, but I've got God. Oh, enemy, get a revelation. We've got God and he's fighting for us. And he will bring us to victory. He will bring us to victory. You see, when the enemy gets a revelation, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 7 comes into effect. It says, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They'll come against you one way. Oh, come on, read it. They'll come against you one way. When you stand up and you win the battle, they're going to go out one way. But when God steps in and God defeats them before your face, when he comes against you one way, he will flee before you seven ways. In other words, he divides them. He scatters them. He conquers them. And they're not coming back. I've got God. I've got God. I've got God. And that's all that really matters. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Stand with me across this room this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're in this place today. You're in this place today. And you love what you've just heard, but it doesn't apply to you because you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You want what I've talked about. You want the assurance of victory. You want the assurance that God is on your side. You want to know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But you got to take a step to have that. It's not automatic just because you're a human being and breathe air. It becomes yours when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you recognize I'm a sinner and I need some help. I can't help myself. So right now, across this room, you're in this place and you say, I want everything you talked about. I want victory. I want assurance. I want to know that the enemy who has been dogging me is defeated. And I understand in order to have that, I need Jesus first and foremost. So that's you across this room this morning. Would you lift your hand? Say, pray for me. That's me. Yes, others. Others, yes, others. Others, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I want all that God has for me, but I need to be forgiven. Anyone else, you'll raise your hand with these. Say, pray for me. Pray for me. Is there anyone else? Yes, anyone else? So wait just another moment. Anyone else? Pray for me. I need Jesus. Those of you who lifted your hands, step out right now. I'm going to meet you right down here. Come on. Come on. Be, be faith. Be strong. Be courageous. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Those of you who lifted your hands, come right now. Anyone else? Come right now. Yes. Come on, young man. Hallelujah. Come on. So we wait another moment. Yes. Come on. Anyone else? Come on. Yes, Beth. Come on. Just wait another moment. Anyone else? Anyone else? You'll come. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. 
So wait a moment. Anyone else? All right. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Come on, welcome them. Welcome them into the kingdom. Anyone else? There's a wait another moment. Anyone else? All right, those of you who have responded, and if you should have responded and you didn't, pray this prayer with me right where you stand. God's going to meet you and minister to you. He's going to do a work of renewal, regeneration. You're going to be born again. Now, there's no power in this prayer. The power is in the faith that you place in the Son of Jesus Christ. That you believed He came and He died for your sins. More than anything, He wants to forgive you and bring you into His family. So pray this with me, would you please? Across the room this morning, pray it out. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Cleanse me of every evil thing that I have done. Make me your child. I receive you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says when one comes to the kingdom, the angels rejoice. Can we join with them right now? Come on, just rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. If you'll turn, Miss Maggie, wave your hand. If you'll turn and follow Miss Maggie, she's got some more information for you. Right that way. Come on, let them know you're glad they're in the kingdom. All right, you're here this morning. You're here this morning, and the devil's been chasing you. You fought the same thing again and again and again and again, and you're tired of it. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's disease, maybe it's one of those other things I talked about, maybe I didn't even touch on it. But you're tired of it. You're ready for a day of complete and total victory. That's you. Step out and come. We're going to pray with you. We're going to believe God for you. And God is going to do a great thing in your life today. Come on right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Come on right now. Let God do something in your heart and in your life today. From across the room, come this morning. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.